Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Bay Area Panthers pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Grandy and Evan Giddings. Yes, it's episode number 18 of the Bay Area Panthers pod. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you as usual. The second to last episode of the first campaign for the Bay Area Panthers. Again, we appreciate you guys tuning in all season long. Uh, you can find all past episodes of the Bay Area Panthers pod on the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Features conversations with head coach Kurt Bryan, uh, team president Scott McKibben, owner Roy Choi, and a whole lot more throughout the season. Again, we appreciate uh, all you guys tuning in all season long. We have another game to break down here today on the pod, Evan, and then we will turn our attention to the final game of the year for the Bay Area Panthers. Again, it is a home game. If you want to get out to SAP Center, I suggest heading to BayAreaPanthers.com right now, grabbing your tickets. It is your last chance to see the Panthers in person in 2022. If not, you have to wait until next year. Do it now. Do it now. Get online, bayreapanthers.com. Grab your tickets. We'll see you at SAP coming up on Saturday. But Evan, let's rewind back to week 18. The last time we saw these Panthers in action, it was at SAP Center, a home game. The Panthers returned home after a long time on the road, facing off against the defending IFL champion, Massachusetts Pirates. And the Panthers had a lead at the end of the first quarter. They had a lead at halftime. It was really close going into the fourth quarter. But Massachusetts comes out on top. Final score, 44-28. to Obviously, this is a Bay Area Panthers team that is desperately seeking that second win. They've now lost, uh, lost 14 games in a row. It's been a really difficult season. But this was undoubtedly, Evan, a positive, and you know, we might disagree, but despite the fact that it was a loss, it was the most impressive performance of the year for Bay Area. The fourth quarter, a little difficult. You get outscored 14 nothing, 
But all in all, you take the full 60 minutes into account. This was the most impressed I've been by a Panther performance this year. Oh, no doubt. I'm right there with you. And and undoubtedly their best home game performance. I know that you could put the short or close-handed loss at the end of May to Arizona against one of the best teams on that as well. But as far as home games, like this was absolutely the best that we have seen them live with our own two eyes. And especially coming off of three you know, tough road losses to some teams that you felt like you were good going into the game. And then you see Massachusetts, which on paper is, you know, a, a huge underdog situation that you're in against the defending IFL champion, Massachusetts Pirates. They made some additions earlier that week. Meanwhile, it was Bay Area who had kind of lost some people throughout the week that were impact players. And so, you know, they went into that game and I felt like they had nothing to lose. And they certainly played like that through the first 30 minutes. They had themselves the lead after the first quarter. They had themselves their first lead of the season at halftime. And through the first 30 minutes, they looked like the team I think that they wanted to be all season long. Now, it didn't show its head in the second half, although I would point to Massachusetts sort of playing up to the type of defending champion level that we expected coming in. But for the Panthers to effectively punch them in the face in that first half was exactly what I wanted to see. We talked about it last last week with the team president, Scott McKibben. We talked about it the week before. The things that you want to see are heart, hustle, and you want to see the team playing like they don't know that they're 1-13 and or now 1-14, and and that's exactly what we got in the first half. So I was extremely pleased with the performance. I was pleased with a lot of guys being asked to step up in positions that they were not accustomed to, and they played their roles well. So a lot of new faces, a lot of standout performances, and a great first half for the Panthers against a team that has aspirations to go back-to-back as far as winning the IFL. Yeah, they obviously, that being the the Pirates, they want to get a bit healthier playing with their third-string quarterback as they get ready for the postseason. But still, it's a team with a lot of returners, a lot of guys who were on the roster last year that won that uh, IFL championship. So still a very, very tough team. And for that reason, you and I agree, the, the most impressive performance of the year, certainly the best home performance of the year, even more impressive than their lone win of the year, which came the very beginning of the season, which don't don't get us wrong, it was a really fun, a really impressive uh, win. But knowing what we know about San Diego, they've been, you know, the second worst team you could say pretty safely for much of the season. This is against one of the better teams in the league. Uh, yeah, I, I safely to say one of the best, if not the very best performance of the year. Well, and also considering how healthy, obviously, they were going into the first game of the season. Yeah, good point. And then how healthy they were not at this point of the season with having nine guys on the season-ending IR compared to a three-point average throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the league. Like, they've been decimated by injuries as much as you don't want that to be an excuse. That was absolutely a storyline that, to me, made the performance that much better. Yeah, agree. Agree. And, and you mentioned, you know, talking with Scott McKibben and just us as well, wanting to see those effort plays, uh, you know, the winning plays, despite the fact that you're out of a postseason spot, you've been out of a postseason spot for a number of weeks now. Um, And you saw that. Think back to the very end of the first quarter when Massachusetts trailing by a touchdown, they got got on the board, a 30-yard pass from Taz Wilson to Darren Carrington. They were an extra point away from tying it up in the final seconds of the first quarter and the extra point was blocked and returned all the way for two points by Brandon Dabney. Instead of a tie game, you're up by three going into the second quarter. You score first in the second quarter. Suddenly, you're up by nine points, the largest lead of the season for the Bay Area Panthers. I mean, those are the kinds of plays 
that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see from a team that is at that point one in 13 has two games left on the year has nine nine players on the season ending ir as you mentioned there's you know some other effort plays think back to the nicholas brazil interception as well in uh, in that game that kind of turned things around where they force a, a taz wilson fumble right after they fumbled themselves but that Brandon Dabney, it wasn't blocked by Dabney, but it was picked up by Dabney and returned all the way for two points the other way. Those are the kinds of plays that really jump out when this team is beginning to evaluate what they want to look like in the coming years. Yeah, and actually, I, I think it was Dabney. And was Gain, Gaines was the one who picked it up and, and ran it back. Frederick Gaines, I believe. Oh, you're right. So Dabney was the one who got his body in front of that. And of course, there's kind of a penalty that marred the whole situation. But they got the call right. It was a block. It was returned. And to me, it it sounds weird, but, but that's sort of in the first half where I, I really saw Bay Area, you know, take a hold of that first half and in a weird way Massachusetts like they needed halftime to reset because they were for as you know good as we knew them to be coming in as good as obviously they were last year they kind of got flustered a little bit on the road especially against a team with one win and so I, I thought that that play was extremely pivotal I'm glad that you brought it up as well as you know, the rest of that first half Isaac Hurd was you know essentially at this point that their fourth string quarterback, Having gone through Corey Murphy, Joe Newman, Vincent Espinoza, who's got an XFL tryout coming up, and they didn't necessarily want to put him at risk of, of being injured before that opportunity. And so Isaac Hurd gets a chance to start, and he starts five of six. Like he's slinging the ball all over the field. And I know that he didn't end as well as he did passing the ball, but he, along with the Panthers, to me, really shocked Massachusetts. And that's what was so exciting for me because coming off of the road obviously we're we're watching them on TV we're we're catching up with the head coach the team president they're telling us about what's going on as far as the day-to-day -day basis but we can't really see it and so we're not exactly sure what's going to come about after a month-long hiatus from the SAP center at the beginning of June until the beginning of July and they came out and really just shocked everyone in the crowd i mean everyone that was in SAP Center, was into it. It was the exciting brand of football that has been marketed, I think, you know, appropriately throughout this season. And so that's why I was so happy to see them come back home and really put forth the first half performance that they did because based on how they did on the road, you know, a couple of 20, 30-plus point losses as well as the 14-game losing streak, 13-game losing streak coming into that game, they had every reason just to roll over having lost... You know, their star middle linebacker, DJ Calhoun, yeah. before that week, that's a huge blow along with others throughout the season that we've you know, kind of described. So they had every reason not to show up to that game, and yet they did. And that's what impressed me the most. Yeah, you mentioned Isaac Hurd finishes 8 of 21, 121 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He was really, really good in the first half. Uh, wasn't nearly as efficient in the second half when the team struggled to get on the board. There was a a nice adjustment defensively by Massachusetts. You can throw out that interception. It was end-of-game scenario. Just throw it up. Hopefully you get uh, you know, a, a Hail Mary touchdown. Maybe you get an onside kick and you score, and it's a different ballgame. So you can throw out that interception. It wasn't a bad decision. It wasn't really just a, a, you know, a, a play that he would make in a vacuum. So all in all, a really, really good performance by Isaac Hurd, and you have to kind of consider the circumstances here for the Panthers because we talked about Massachusetts on the broadcast and we kind of danced around it a little bit. Their injuries at quarterback, 
Taj Wilson was their third-string quarterback. They've had guys in and out of the lineup. So have the Panthers. You think, what would you call Isaac Hurd? Probably most accurately to call him the fourth-string quarterback because you had Corey Murphy, you had Joe Newman, you had Vincent Espinosa, who were all with the team in the preseason. Vincent Espinosa was kind of the odd man out early in the year. Then the team moved away from Corey Murphy, went to Joe Newman, and at that point, Vincent Espinosa became the backup, but then pretty quickly became the starter because of Joe Newman's injury. And of course, while all that's happening, you need to build more depth behind the guys that you have. So you bring in Isaac Hurd, who didn't even play quarterback in college. He played quarterback in high school in Hawaii on the island of Oahu. Uh, and then he played collegiately at Southern Oregon, an NAIA college in Ashland, Oregon. Uh, he played wide receiver there, caught you know a, a number of passes, three touchdowns over five years. So wasn't a star receiver, you would say, and now is playing professional football and he's doing it at the quarterback position in the IFL. And in his first full game as the team's quarterback, his first full game in the IFL, I mean, he did really, really well. Again, eight of 21 passing, 121 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. You can throw that interception out the door. He also rushed for 35 yards, did lose one fumble, um, you could, you know, blame him for that one, whatever you want. It, it, it was a nice play defensively. You can't throw that one out the door like the interception, but all in all, still a really, really good game from Isaac Hurd. And, you know, the Panthers might be thinking, hey, we might have found something in this guy because he was fitting the ball into some tight windows. You think back to his, uh, his touchdown pass, uh, two of them to Daniel Crowell Jr., one to Dresante Dorton. The Dorton one was a quick out route to the sidelines, a bad break by the defensive back who tried to go for an interception, turns into a touchdown, but he was fitting balls into really tight windows all game long, especially in that first half, Evan. I was just very, very impressed by what we saw, specifically from Hurd throwing the ball. Well, and especially coming off of a week where, you know, they're on the road against Vegas and they just kind of had trouble stringing together also call it consecutive plays and drives. Like they had trouble picking up first downs, especially they were primarily scoring all off of explosive plays. And they did have some big plays against Massachusetts, but you look at 21 passing attempts, 26 rushes. Like that's right along the Kurt Bryan, you know, want or need as far as percentage towards the run percentage towards the pass. You had four different guys to carry the ball. I know Dwayne Gary was the bell cow back that we expected him to be. And they definitely focused in on him, but Heard carried the ball seven times, like you mentioned. Dresante Dorton four times. Brazel had a couple of carries yeah. for the first time this season on offense. And then the receiving core, four different guys to catch a ball from Isaac Heard, despite him completing just eight passes. You know, typically we're used to looking at the box score and seeing two, maybe three wide receivers make catches for the Panthers. But he developed some rapport with Daniel Crowell Jr., who, you know, in my opinion, has been the most consistent offensive weapon, especially in the receiving core for the Panthers this season. We saw him throw that beautiful ball, like you mentioned, to Dorton, who had to make a nice catch in order to haul that ball in and then take it 34 yards for the score. We didn't really see him get in touch with Isaiah Thomas a bunch, who I think was kind of the number one focus for the Massachusetts secondary entering the game, especially coming off a you know seven-catch, 60-yard, yeah. two-touchdown performance the week before against Vegas. Like He was the guy that they had an eye on. And so you know, I thought Hurd spread the ball around a lot was not afraid to be to try and fit it into tight windows, which you know we haven't seen too many quarterbacks for the Panthers this year do, especially even when they're down. Um, I thought he played 
not with reckless abandon, but with a confidence that hasn't necessarily been there in the passing game this year. You know, we've seen Newman be able to distribute the ball around the field, but I look at him more of a, as a run first, or at least was when he began to start a run first type guy. Heard, I thought, made great strides throughout the game, even being willing just to test Massachusetts yeah. down the field, um, even if he missed out of bounds, a little high, a little low. I love the aggressiveness that he played with. Yeah, I think the passing game was a little more varied. Va- like Because we, we had seen a lot of times throughout the year that this this team, you know, really wanted to run the ball. They, you know, weren't always the most open, it seemed like, to take shots down the field. They were a little hesitant, and I mean, you can understand why you have all these quarterbacks going in and out, inexperienced guys, you're not exactly sure what you have in some wide receivers, you have all these injuries, and you know, this has probably been a change, you know, from the coaching staff as well, in terms of the plays that you're calling, the route trees that you're drawing up, but I was just happy to see Isaac Hurd willing to take those shots down the field as well, because you there got to be a point, maybe halfway through the season, Evan, where, I don't know about you, but it seemed like defenses were just so unafraid that the Panthers would throw over the top. Yeah. And and we've kind of seen that change a little bit here. There's, you know, challenging with, with the different quarterbacks that you have in. You have receivers come in and out of the lineup and uh, off and on your roster all season long. But at least at this point, you're forcing the defense to at least think about that ball over the top of the, of the you know, final defensive back you have back there which happened a few times this past game uh, over the weekend, and that just opens up everything else. Over the middle, the short passing game, the run game, the screen game, everything else is opened up because of at least a few threats down the field. Yeah, and it happened early. I mean, first drive, Daniel Crowell Jr. beats his man by five yards and Hurd hits him in stride. Like, that's a sign to the opposing defense that, hey, like, it's not going to be an underneath or nothing night. We're not just going to dump things off and try and move in the five to ten yard range that we've seen the Panthers try and, at least at the beginning of games, use to get into a rhythm, but they just haven't. So I like the fact that they're willing to take the top off. And credit to Kurt Bryant, too. I thought that offensively he got a little deeper into his bag yeah. this week than weeks prior. I know, I know obviously, you know, you're trying to, to do as much as you can, but he talked to us before the game yeah. about his new package that he brought in as far as this... Oh, I hope other teams aren't listening. But as far as, you know, kind of like a, a belly <laughs> well, they'll, play. Where, they'll see it on the tape. As they will, yes, of course. And it was it was used very effectively as far as two men sort of crossing in motion. In the IFL, you can have two in motion. So two wide receivers or a wide receiver and a running back cross in the backfield in the front as well as the back of the quarterback. And it's upon him to make the first fake and then go to the second guy. And I thought that Massachusetts didn't really know what was coming at first and you know, maybe that's where the first and the second half deviate because they were able to make some of those adjustments. And, you know, 28 to 6 in the second half says that they did. But I thought that Kurt Bryan was, you know, willing to really experiment a little bit this week offensively. And, you know, he had his quarterback who was not afraid to throw the ball down the field. He got four different running backs involved. He got four different wide receivers involved. This was definitely the most balanced and, and versatile offense that we've seen both as far as play calling as well as the results. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, the, the two receivers or, you know, running back skill position players in motion that would that would cross, you know, next to the quarterback at the line of scrimmage. They would also do it where they would have two of them coming from the same side and they'd follow each other like a little train in front of the quarterback yeah. and Hurd would fake the handoff to the front one 
pull it back and then give it to the second one right behind him. And you just don't really see that very often in football at any level. So I think it took the defense a little bit of getting used to for that as well. We are going to transition here in just a moment. But one other point I wanted to bring up about this game uh, last weekend, Evan, is we talked about it a bit, you know, in the moment on the broadcast. It was when Isaac Hurd fumbled early in the second quarter. At that point, the Panthers were up by three points, 16 to 13. It was after that uh uh, that blocked uh, blocked PAT that was returned uh, for two points by Frederick Gaines. Um, and then the Panthers fumbled. They had the ball, had a chance to add on to their lead. They fumbled. And I think if this was, you know, five weeks ago, maybe even just a couple of weeks ago, Massachusetts, the opponent, would have went down and scored rather quickly on that ensuing drive after getting that turnover. And they did get down close to the end zone. Taz Wilson used his legs a lot on that drive. He rushed for 39 yards, and if memory serves, most of them were on that drive on consecutive plays. And then he was stripped. He he fumbled the ball as well, and the Panthers fell on it, got the ball right back, and it turned into a Daniel Crowell 34-yard touchdown. That was a moment where you saw the Panthers kind of buck the trend they had set for themselves all year long. When... You know, they would have a good quarter. They're ahead against the defending IFL champions. Similar story maybe against Arizona a few weeks ago. Uh, Northern Arizona way back when, early in the season, where they play well. Maybe they're playing better than they expected, better than their opponent expected at least. And then something goes wrong. It was the fumble by Isaac Hurd. But the defense responded. They got the ball right back. The offense then punched it into the end zone again to go up by nine points, their largest lead of the season. And at that point, you're thinking, okay, they, they might have a chance to win this thing. Of course, the second half was an entirely different story. The Pirates made the necessary adjustments, but it was just a positive for me to see them respond to a bad break, a turnover, get that ball right back and score because we hadn't really seen much of that this year. Well, and especially because it's a position that they're sort of familiar with. It's a here we go again type of feeling and that didn't happen, or they didn't let it get to them the way that it had in prior weeks. And so that was definitely something that I was happy about, surprised, pleasantly surprised with. But the one thing that also caught my eye was the fact that, you know, since they've had a lot of rotational pieces coming in due to injuries, some of them fluky injuries, as well as guys moving on, going to the CFL, you know, DeAndre Douglas, XFL, Vincent Espinosa, hopefully soon XFL, Guys that had to step up typically needed a little bit of a, what we'll call it like an adjustment period. And of course, in the IFL, you know, to put it in perspective for people, like if you have maybe two or three drives where you can stop an opposing offense, that could be the difference in the game. Yeah. You know, there's typically around 10 to 12 drives if you're moving up and down the field. So if you can get three stops, it may not sound like all that much, but that can be the difference in a game. Three stops is kind of maybe a magic number for people to look at. But because a lot of different pieces have been put in, you know, by Kurt Bryan, by the front office to replace injuries, people leaving, you know, there's been kind of maybe a quarter or, you know, just a drive where players have needed some time and it's looked like they're new to the team and that that can cost you over the course of a game last game i thought that the guys who stepped up and stepped in and played for the first time were 
absolutely fantastic. I mean, I'm looking on the defensive side, particularly at Jeremiah Kane on the defensive yeah. line, who was playing in his first game. He tipped a pass on fourth down that ended up being dropped. That you know was a pretty big mm. momentum shifting play. I thought on defense for Bay Area. He also led the team with four total tackles. And then I'm looking at a guy like Javari Anderson, who is being put into place for you know let's just call it what it is the best player on your defense, potentially best player on your team in DJ Calhoun. And Javari Anderson, West Oakland native, playing for the local team, comes in, comes up with the the fumble recovery, you know, for, for Taz Wilson on that pivotal drive that you're mentioning. So I thought that not only, you know, they sort of fought through the adversity in a way that had been unique compared to previous weeks, but also guys that have been sort of inserted due to necessity stepped up in ways that we hadn't seen before. Yep. Well said. So again, the final score, Massachusetts, uh, they beat Bay Area last week, 44-28. to Massachusetts, 10-5 and on the year, looking to defend their IFL crown from last year. And the Panthers fall to 1-14. and We will preview the Panthers' final game of the year, coming up right after the break. You're listening to the Panthers pod on 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back to episode number 18 of the Bay Area Panthers pod. Mark, Randy, Evan Giddings with you as well. We just uh, recapped that uh, recent Panthers loss to the Massachusetts Pirates. Again, final score 44-28. to And now let's turn the page to the final game of the year for the Panthers. It's against the Tucson Sugar Skulls. Remember, if you want to head out to this game on Saturday, 6 o'clock, uh, gets to uh, BayAreaPanthers.com right now. Secure your tickets, your last chance of the year to see your Panthers in action at SAP or, or anywhere for that matter. This is the final game and the final home game of the season. Tucson is a fellow Western Conference foe. They're currently in third place in the West, 8-7 and seven overall, 8-5 and five in conference play. They have not yet wrapped up the third seed in the West, so... What that means is they are fighting for something when they uh, come into town against these Panthers. 
I would imagine they would rather be the three seed than the four seed. You know, you're going to play either Arizona or Northern Arizona. Arizona has wrapped up the one. Northern Arizona has wrapped up the two. So if you're the three, you're going to travel to Northern Arizona to take on the Wranglers. If you're the four, you're going to travel to Arizona to take on the Rattlers. Regardless, a tough matchup, but I think Tucson would probably rather be the three and play Northern Arizona. And that just means, Evan, they're going to be coming in with, uh, you know, a reason to try to come out and win this game. They've already beaten the Panthers once this year, back in week 14, uh, early June, when they won 58-33 to in Tucson. And they're most recently coming off of a loss, a 61-48 to defeat last weekend against the Iowa Barnstormers, uh, which sets up a game in SAP that Tucson would really like to win. Yeah, and Tucson is... You know, they, they've kind of been a one of the other side of the coin as far yeah. as their season. I mean, I know that they're 8-5 and five against the conference. They're 8-7 and seven overall. But, like, you know, last four weeks, you got lost win, lost win. At the beginning of the season, they had a three-game losing streak followed by a three-game win streak. And then they've kind of been back and forth. I know that they caught Bay Area on one of those good days, you know, a 58-33 win back in the middle of June. But this is a team that scores a lot of points, and they're also a team that gives up a ton of points. So they are a top three offense, but the bottom three defense means that they have a negative point differential throughout this season. So it's kind of difficult to, I guess, scout for them because they are so volatile as a team. It's what makes them ex- makes them extremely dangerous, and we saw that their first time against Bay Area, but they could easily go out here and lay an egg, and if you're the Panthers, look, obviously you're hoping to spoil the chance for Tucson to get the three seed, but you're also looking to end the season on a high note, and that would be the perfect way to cap cap off what has been, you know, maybe for some a disappointment of a season, walking in with the 1-14 record, but if you can end the season 1-0, and in a weird way, you almost forget all the bad that happened, and so I, I feel like there's a good uh, this is a good opportunity for the Panthers against an opponent that is vulnerable and can be taken advantage of. They've already seen them once. I know they haven't been able to follow against teams that they have played before with a win thus far this season, but no better time than the present. No better time than the last game of the season to end it on a high note. Yeah, you mentioned the defense for Tucson. They give up just under 49 points per game. That is a lot. You mentioned bottom three in the league. The Panthers, of course, have have the worst defense in terms of points per game in the IFL. And you look at what Iowa just did to them, and you think that this Panthers offense might, you know, starting to lick their chops a little bit. Iowa ran the ball 25 times for 155 yards. That's over six yards per carry, and they had seven rushing touchdowns. Their quarterback only threw for 54 yards. Now, a lot of this is who Iowa is. They're a run-heavy team. They're not going to throw the ball all that often. But you look specifically at what just starting running back Antonio Wimbush did for Iowa against Tucson last week. 16 carries, 90 yards, and all seven of those touchdowns. So, Dwayne Gary, he might be thinking, oh, am I going to get myself... A, a really nice night of the office based on what Antonio Wimbish did to the same defense last week. Who knows? But we do know the Panthers, they like to run the ball. We've talked about it all year long. They want to run the ball more than they throw the ball. And you might have an opportunity to run against this Tucson defense. Absolutely. I mean, they had 84 yards on the ground, about five yards of carry the first time they faced them. And it was basically Vincent Espinosa that got most of the job done. But as far as Dwayne Gary's concerned, coming off a week in which he had, you know, one of his highest 
rushing totals. His workload was definitely a lot. And I don't know if it was because of the workload or he kind of got tripped up towards the game, but there was a play in which he came off you know, a little bit gimpy. I expect him to be totally out there. There haven't been any injury updates as far as we know surrounding the bell cow back that is Dwayne Gary. But if you're Isaac Hurd, I mean, they haven't seen you before on the field. And Vincent Espinosa had about as good of a game as you could put together for a quarterback the last time you faced them. Five total touchdowns, a season high for quarterbacks, three through the air, two on the ground. So they're definitely susceptible to kind of the, the dual threat variety that Bay Area offers. And they're vulnerable on the ground. So if, if Isaac Hurd can throw the ball, maybe not as well as he started the game against Massachusetts, but early on enough to make them respect the pass. I expect Kurt Bryant to try and pound the ball into the turf and try and take care of Tucson on the ground because that's what he likes to do, and that's what they have not proven to be able to defend, especially in recent weeks. Yeah, Tucson, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league, but they have a really high-powered offense, which kind of lends you to believe, you know, you go through their games opponents generally are throwing the ball more because they play kind of this fast-paced up-and-down style where they're kind of encouraging passes, which means if you look just at rush yards per game, Tucson allows a tick under 79 a game, which is ninth best, so, you know, certainly in the bottom half. But you look at how many yards are you getting per carry. Opponents are averaging 4.9 yards per carry against Tucson, that is worst. Alone at the bottom of the IFL is this Tucson defense. Yards they're allowing per carry. So certainly, I agree. The Panthers, they have some room, some opportunity to take advantage of that. But on the flip side, the Tucson Sugar Skulls, they have a former IFL MVP at quarterback in Daquan Neal, won that MVP as a rookie with Iowa back in 2019, the first rookie to win the IFL MVP, by the way, back in 2019. And then they have who, you know, you you might consider the MVP of the league. You could, you could make a case for running back Mike Jones. He has on the year 764 rushing yards, second in the league, 39 rushing touchdowns, and add in a couple of more receiving touchdowns. So 39 rushing touchdowns, Evan. This, can you guess what number the second place guy has? Second most rushing touchdowns in the IFL behind Mike Jones, who has 39. Well, I am looking at it, so I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> cheat for the people here and say that I'll just I'll uh, 20. I'll, 23. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so 39 is first place. Mike Jones, 23 second. So long story short, Mike Jones is going to get into the end zone on Saturday. Just a matter of how many times he has been phenomenal. So. While the Tucson defense is exploitable, you're going to have to slow down some stars in Daquan Neal at quarterback. They have a number of interesting receivers as well. But Mike Jones, uh, he averaged this this last game 8.1 yards per carry against Iowa. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this Panther defense tries to slow these guys down because they have a really, really interesting offense. Yeah, I mean, that, that pocket is dangerous between Daquan Neal, who's thrown for 46 touchdowns, he's ran for 16 touchdowns. You know, him and Ramon Atkins and Duke, and Duke City are, you know, kind of the the dual leaders as far as scoring is concerned along with Drew Powell in Arizona like the one thing that Tucson can do is put up points. They are trying to beat you not with their defense, but with their defense doing just enough to complement the firepower that their offense brings and Mike Jones is obviously a huge part of that. So, if you're Bay Area, 
Again, you're looking for three stops. I mean, maybe two, but <laughs> three stops against this team in a game could be the number that gets you to a win because if you can kind of you know hold serve against a very explosive offense, potentially, like you mentioned, I mean, an MVP candidate in Mike Jones, potentially another one in Daquan Neal who's already been an MVP, they might have the best offense in the Western Conference, maybe in the IFL. So if you can get just a couple of stops, maybe a turnover against the Sugar Skulls, I feel good about what Bay Area did in the first half against a far superior defense in Massachusetts, that that can hopefully translate at home against Tucson. And that can be, you know, you're you're never going to play a perfect game, but if you can try and have two sides playing together along with special teams, obviously, complementary football and all three phases that are at least on the same page and can continue, you know, whatever you found in the first 30 minutes against the Pirates... I think that there's a good chance they can walk away with a win against Tucson because Tucson is, you know, as far as we we don't know the Panthers' identity throughout this season, but we certainly know Tucson's. And so that makes it, in a, in a lot of ways, almost easier to game plan for because if you're the Sugar Skulls looking at the Panthers, you don't really know what you're going to see. You saw, a different, you saw the third-string quarterback last time. You're probably going to see the fourth-string quarterback this time in Isaac Hurd based on how he played against Massachusetts. You're going to see a different wide receiving core and you're going to see a different defense. So there's a lot that the Panthers can do to try and surprise Tucson, and then they don't, to me, have the type of defense that can walk into a locker room, walk out, and be different the way that Massachusetts was. Yeah, they 100% will see a different quarterback because Vincent Espinosa has officially been released. We wish him the best of luck. Uh, he's attending an XFL showcase, and uh, we, we certainly hope that he's successful and is able to... Uh, uh, sign on with an XFL team. That means it's it's Isaac Hurd time once again uh, coming up on Saturday at SAP as the Tucson Sugar Schools come into town. They've already clinched a playoff spot, but it's just a matter of whether it'll be a three or a four. The Panthers hoping that they pick up a win and force Tucson into the four spot. I also have one more injury update. Just got this from uh, Kurt Bryan. Thanks for texting us during the pod, by the way. <laughs> uh, left guard Joel Galvin will be out for Oof. this game against Tucson, so Adrian Hernandez along with Leonard Hayeswood will be the ones filling in at left guard along with Apimane up the middle and then Ricky McCoy on the right side. Gotcha. So we'll keep an eye on that on Saturday. If you are not at SAP, which we suggest you you, you should be, you know, go to BayAreaPanthers.com to grab your tickets. But if you're not at SAP, you can follow along to all the action on 95.7 The Game. Myself and uh, Evan will be on the call at, at 6 us. o'clock. Yes, come on. Uh, join us at SAP. Join us on 95.7 The Game. Should be a lot of fun one final time in this uh, inaugural campaign for the Bay Area Panthers. Again, Saturday, July 16th, 6 o'clock kick, Bay Area Panthers and the Tucson Sugar Skulls. Well, that'll do it here for episode number 18 of the Bay Area Panthers pod. We appreciate all you for tuning in. As always, we'll be back next week to uh, wrap up this game against the Tucson Sugar Skulls and to wrap up the 2022 IFL season for the Bay Area Panthers. Again, thanks so much for listening. This is the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers Pod, part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.